Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Feeling Fine Equine podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Stevens, and today we're going down under as we talk with a horsemanship and mindset mentor based out of Southern Australia. She helps horses and riders boost their confidence and feel empowered in any environment. She has many of her own tools to help you get to where you want to be with your horse, and she shares a lot of her knowledge in this episode about how you can help your horse too. Please welcome Felicity Davies. First, why don't you do a little introduction about yourself and how you got into horses uh, for everybody who may not know you? Sure. So, hi, my name is Felicity. I am from South Australia and I am a horsemanship and mindset mentor. Okay. So, what I do predominantly at the moment is I teach horses and their riders how to feel more confident in any environment. Um, So, I do that predominantly using online coaching and I blend sort of ethical horsemanship, um, neuro-linguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, all of these different types of modalities together so that I can give my clients a really holistic approach to helping them with their horse's problems and helping them work through their own sort of mindset problems. So it works really, really powerfully. But I started riding when I was 12 years old, um, just with the traditional sort of schoolmaster Welsh mountain pony, who was awesome, did everything. And then I transitioned in a few years after that, um, well, I transitioned a few years after that into the show ring. So showing in Australia is sort of like the beauty pageant for horses. Okay. Um, so I did English showing for probably like 10 to 12 years. I can't remember the specifics off the top of my head. And I competed at state level, um, working with lots of thoroughbreds and riding ponies, but I always kind of battling as I was doing this with the whole thing of oh how can I best prepare my horses for these big competitions um is there a better way to do it rather than just lunging them or giving them ear like using earplugs giving them more miles pushing them through it all of these sorts of things and then towards the end of my 10 to 12 years however long it was I kind of got sick of the whole thing (laughs) and I was like (laughs) how do I do this and there was a, a strew of events that happened um and then that led me to um apply for a job working at Will Rogers Performance Horses overseas who was Will was the only real trainer that I kind of resonated with in terms of yeah. teaching me how to prepare horses for different environments because he was working with these beautiful warm bloods um dressage horses that weren't the easiest of horses to start with and he was preparing them for these big competitions where there was these huge plastic tarps waving around the horses and over the horses and he would do a ridden performance and at liberty with crowds of like 10,000 people um and I was like how the heck do you do that like there's obviously (laughs) something that can be done here in terms of riding these beautiful horses um in extreme environments but having them feel relaxed about the environment so that they can perform and feel comfortable um so yeah I spent 10 months in Germany in 2018 um and then I came back to Australia after learning a lot about preparing the horses for these different environments um and doing a lot of that from home at first and yeah then have just sort of worked with my own horses saw their personalities transform worked with clients horses friends horses and then the whole thing has just kind of unraveled I've learned a lot more myself and then I packaged it all into my online program who I've since um, served over 100 people through so it's just it's just kind of compounded from there but it's that's me in a nutshell. I <laughs> hope that wasn't yeah. too long. <laughs> no, no, that's great. So did you start kind of your training after you went to Germany then? 
Yeah, in terms of like working with horses more of a professional basis. Yes, yes. Yeah, totally. So I actually went to Germany. Yeah, I spent the 10 months there working as a like in a groom sort of working student position. Um, but there were some cool opportunities to be able to have lessons and like work with the horses. And I guess when you're you're working at more of a horsemanship focused stable, like the training element flows through all of the daily activities as well. So it's not just here's what you do like in the arena. It's like, no, this happens everywhere. So that was awesome. But yeah, when I came back from overseas, it's interesting because I've got a degree in agricultural science. Um, and I still doubted myself a little bit coming back because I was like, oh, I love working with horses, but it's just a different environment. Like, am I good enough? All of that kind of thing. Um, and then I got a job in the agricultural industry, realized once again that that wasn't for me. <laughs> and then I, a friend actually offered me an opportunity. She said, hey, I've got this mare. Um, the trainer I sent her to is struggling with her do you want to have a go? Like she was great after she came back from being started under saddle, something's happened at this new place or she's just not settling in that, in that environment. Do you want to see what you can do? And I was like, well, this is a good gateway for me to quit my job and see how this goes. And then it's kind of just compounded from there. So I only have really been working professionally with horses since like mid 2019. Wow. And you do this full time? Wow. That's great. That's so cool though. That's awesome. Yeah. And I like sharing that for the reason, because like, I think so often we feel like we have to be doing something for years and years and years and years and years to be deemed as a professional, but it's just like, what I've come to realize is, um, experience levels shouldn't be related to the amount of years you've been around horses. It's like the capabilities that you have and the way that you can teach people and the way you can train horses, like that should be the that should be the proof in the pudding. You know what I mean? Rather than, oh, I've been around horses for 10 years or I've done this for such a long period of time. Um, so I find it a really empowering thing to kind of tell people because often I'll work with people of all different experience levels. And sometimes people who have only been around horses for a few years come to me and I'm like, you're in a really awesome position because you're learning exactly what you need to learn now. And you're not going to have as many bad habits that you have to undo or um, learn things that you don't necessarily need to learn um, that are, that are taught in very like common places. So, yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. So I know you have some online programs that you do. Do you do a lot of in-person stuff where you take courses in and train them as well? At the moment, I'm just predominantly online okay. purely because it kind of worked out that way because when I launched my online offering I was still working with horses in person not taking on training horses per se just because I don't have the space for that at the moment Um, but working with a lot of clients giving lessons and things like that and um, then COVID kind of came about just as I was launching my my online program Um, so it kind of naturally transitioned where I was forced to do more online work And what I found was for me personally, in my approach and what I teach, it works better just because of the fact that people have the time to be able to absorb the theory and the knowledge behind all of the exercises that they're going to do with their horses. Um, And then they can allow themselves to do it themselves in a very slow, methodical process um, and empower themselves to realize, hey, I can actually do this myself. I don't need someone to come out once a week or once a fortnight to help me through through everything um so yeah I found it honestly worked better because I felt like in person 
a lot of what I was getting was people was like, oh, my horse is sort of sensitive or spooky. Can you like work with them and helping them be comfortable with noise in like a session? And it's like, you really need to learn how to do this process yourself and then do it like a couple of times a week because then that will compound and then they're going to build trust in you. And it's just, it all works together. So for me and what I teach, I found it works better weirdly enough, but yeah. No, that's really cool. I like, I like your approach because I think that it is important for horse owners to know what to do and feel confident enough to do it with their own horse. And so I think that it's really cool, everything that you offer. And I think a lot of people are actually really on the right track. It's just like a lot of what I work with people through is the mindset stuff that comes up along the way, especially if you're not working with the easiest type of horse or you're trying something new. It's very easy to second guess yourself, feel like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Or like, am I on the right track? Or just to like get, it's really easy to get super stumped if you have an off day and just feel like, oh, what I did isn't working. Let me just completely change my approach. Um, And I've spoken to countless numbers of people. And even I was like that in the past when I would try um, to learn these different things, either with a coach or via different online platforms. And I'd be like, I'm really stuck. And I think it's all about me and I'm doing something wrong and blame myself. Whereas a lot of the times I find people are really on the right track. There might be like some tweaks to make, but often it's the mindset component of just like, let's just zoom out. You're good. Your self-worth is not dependent on how your horse responds. Like, let's just get you both feeling comfortable and let's, let's just hold people through it. So yeah, that's how I like to go about it. No, that's great. Can you talk a little bit about like short versus long sessions with your horse? And I know like some people think that, okay, I have three hours set aside. I need to go work with my horse. Like what is the difference between like time, you know, and how horses learn with, with the time that we're giving them? Yeah. I think a lot of times it really depends on your horse and on you. Um, and I think it depends on how you're structuring a training session. So as a rule of thumb, what I like to say to people is, um, generally like start a training session, doing something that your horse likes so that you can kind of just, I don't know, have a nice time together, connect. Um, And that could be maybe you take them hand grazing or you do a little positive reinforcement session if your horse is comfortable with food. Or maybe you go for a little walk and you just do a little connection-based exercise where you do some some transitions together or you have a little grooming session. Something like that can be really, really helpful to just set the tone and just see where your horse is at and just be mindful with them or even just stand still with them and just see, hey, where are you at? Like, are you feeling normal today? Have you got some stuff that you need to let go of? All of those types of things. So then once you've kind of connected, then I'll go, okay, let's transition into, depending on what you're doing, like if your horse has already got some behaviors established, maybe you go through the behaviors you've already got established that you like to use regularly and check in once again, are they with me? Do they seem normal? Does everything seem okay? And then you can start to go ahead and train your new exercise. Um, And for For any new behavior, I just recommend just progress a little bit in your shaping plan. So just what I mean by that is just try and move, try and get a little bit more, um, a little bit further ahead than you were last time. But it doesn't have to be like a crazy amount because we can't expect the behaviors to just be perfect in one session or a couple of sessions. It's going to take time. So, yeah, I would suggest sort of uh, progressing a little bit with a, a new behavior and then go back to doing something that your horse likes and that you like or you both find good at. So you're kind of ebbing and flowing 
Um, but the duration of the session really going to depend on the horse itself. Like some horses, um, they do heaps better with short sessions. Some horses you can get away with longer sessions just because they're naturally more enthusiastic or engaged, or they just see sessions as more of a, a positive thing. Whereas some horses, if they've been traditionally trained in perhaps not the best way in the past, they might have some kind of negative associations to like learning um, and also um, being put under that sort of like a learning stress, if that makes sense. So you kind of have to ebb and flow. But I always say you want to aim to structure your training sessions in accordance to your horse's engagement levels. So you want to finish before they lose their engagement at the okay. end of the day. And every horse is going to be different. Yeah, no, that's really great. I love how you describe that. Um, can you also maybe talk a little bit about positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement? I've listened to, well, I always listen to your podcast, but I love how yeah. you kind of describe that. And so if you could do that for yeah. everybody here, that'd be great. Awesome. So positive and negative reinforcement are two terms used in operant conditioning. Okay. And that sounds like really fancy and like, oh my God, what the hell is that? Um, but it's just a part of learning theory. So it's like, if you want to get sciencey, that's two branches or they're the two branches of reinforcement. Okay. So reinforcement, just to strip everything back, simply means to increase the likelihood of a behavior occurring again. Okay. So you're going to reinforce something. You're going to um, give your horse something that they uh, perceive to prefer in that moment. Um, and that's going to encourage them to do more of that behavior, right? And then we, when we look at positive and negative reinforcement, one isn't good or bad. It's just a simple mathematical term. So positive is just the addition of something and negative is the removal of something. So with positive reinforcement, what you're doing is you're adding something to increase the likelihood of a behavior occurring again. So basically what you're doing is you're adding something that your horse likes after they've done a behavior or while they're doing a behavior. So then your horse can go, ha ha, this is amazing. I'm going to do more of that again. So an example of that might look like, okay, if you're using food rewards in training and your horse is comfortable around food, let's just say you're working on, I don't know, teaching them to back up with you standing still. So you might apply a cue, or you might just naturally wait for your horse to shift backwards um, and then you can immediately give them a food reward and you can use a bridge signal if you want to, <clears throat> excuse me. You could use a bridge signal, which is what people use when they're clicker training. Um, and the bridge basically is just a verbal cue um, that lets your horse know, hey, the food's coming. So yeah, you could wait for your horse to kind of rock backwards, click or cluck or make use a handheld clicker or pick a noise that you wanna make. Um, and then you can give your horse the food. So then your horse is going to learn, oh, whenever I do that behavior, I get this reward. Okay, I'm going to do more of that behavior. Um, and then on the other side of it, we've got negative reinforcement, which is what's really like, that's the most common form of reinforcement horses use with each other and people generally use with horses. So in traditional training, um, in natural horsemanship, all of these types of things, they're predominantly using uh, negative reinforcement. So going back to what we spoke about earlier, negative simply means the removal of something. So we're removing something to increase the likelihood of a behavior occurring again. Okay. So yeah. we're removing um, a, it, it commonly we're using pressure. Okay. So we're taking the pressure away to say, Hey, you're, you're doing the right thing. So what that might look like is you apply a light form of pressure with, let's just say your legs to ask your horse to move forwards under saddle. 
Um, and then the moment your horse takes a step forwards, you take two your legs off. Okay. So you're applying something that your horse maybe um, feels like a slight discomfort with. And obviously the level of discomfort is going to range depending on how your horse feels with the pressure and how much pressure you apply. Um, but yeah, the moment your horse does something that you would like them to do, you remove that pressure again. Um, now there are ethical and not so ethical ways of using this type of reinforcement. Um, but in a nutshell, those are the two types. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for describing that. I think that that's really important for people to know the difference and to understand the difference when working with their horses. Totally. And I always like to strip it back and go, if you're ever stuck or you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do in this situation. Always just think about what do I want? Okay. Yeah. Because whatever you do want, those are the moments you need to reinforce. So what I mean by that is you either need to leave your horse alone. You need to remove the pressure. Or if you want to use positive reinforcement, you need to add something your horse likes. So you could add a food reward. You could add scratches if your horse really likes scratches. I like to use verbal praise as well. I really feel like energy is positively reinforcing. Now, not everyone will agree with me on that, depending on how sciencey they get. <laughs> but I think the more the science develops, the more it comes out that that is really reinforcing. So yeah, always think about whenever you're stuck, what do I want? Whenever your horse is doing what you do want, you need to reinforce them. Otherwise, they're not going to know that they're doing the right thing. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so I know you, uh, you have a lot of podcasts. And so if people uh, want to go there for a little bit more information, absolutely, mm -hmm. that's a great place to go. Um, and we mm -hmm. can talk about that at the end too. But you do a podcast about um, when your horse tells you no. And I really mm -hmm. like, uh, I've never, I've honestly never heard that before from anybody else, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and letting your horse, letting your horse tell you no sometimes can build on your relationship. So would you want to go into depth a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I look at when your horse says no, that it just means you're giving them choice in your training. Okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think they're giving their horse choice. But what to me, what choice really looks like is if you ask your horse a question, you ask your horse to do something, uh, you want to make sure that they've got an opt out. Okay. So that could either be, and obviously there's going to be different levels of how much choice and freedom you allow your, your horse so let's just say on a at, let's just say the highest level of choice might be they're at liberty in their paddock and you ask your horse to do something and they've got hay or grass or whatever around you um, maybe the food rewards that you might use if you're using food is the same hay or grass so that it's all a neutral playing field you ask your horse to do something and they go not for me today and they just turn and walk away right? That's your horse in one context saying no. Now, sometimes horses will be a bit louder with their nose. So let's just say um, you ask, you're riding your horse or no, let's do a common example. Let's just say your horse normally lines up to the mounting block and allows you to get on. And then one day they're like, you get them to line up to the mounting block and then they start to fidget and move around when you're about to get on. That's your horse saying no, no. right? So I always like to kind of look at it at a at a higher level with a horse that has some um, basic behaviors established or lots of behaviors established, if your horse is showing you a different behavior than they normally would, something's off. Okay. So that is your horse saying, no, not for me. Um, and I've had instances where like a client, her horse was really 
Um, I think she was just really agitated and upset. And then she looked in her horse's mouth at this dressage comp and like found all these grass seeds in the horse's mouth, right? Um, Same similar situation with the mouth thing where a horse was really upset and just went from like literally being okay to put the bit in his mouth to the next day he was really upset, got the dentist out. He had all of these ulcers in his mouth Um, or quite commonly people struggle to put their girth on their horse their horse is really girthy and then they treat them for ulcers or they get their body work done and then the horse is okay again okay so these are all examples basically whenever your horse is showing an adverse behavior or they're wanting to leave in your training session that's them saying no um so what i like to do in that case is let them say no and use that information to adjust your approach so that you can work out okay well they're saying this they're doing this for a reason all behavior has a function. They're not just out to get me. Now what I need to do is go, okay, when did they first start saying no? Okay. Um, and what subtle signs maybe was I missing that are going to help me build this story of why they might be behaving this way? Because the louder your horse is with their behavior, it's likely that you missed some signs leading up to that thing because horses don't generally go from zero to a hundred. There's all of these things in the middle, right? And that's where like I spoke to you about the training session set up earlier, that's where I really like having a consistent certain number of exercises you do with your horse. So you've always got a baseline of how your horse responds so that if you're working with them on another day, you know, oh, okay, this isn't normal for my horse. Something feels off. I need to pay more attention to this um, and just be mindful. Um, So yeah, once your horse is saying no, then you have to work out, okay, well, what do they need? Like if they're just saying no, because they don't understand the question they're confused how can I make this easier for them to understand or if I think it's a pain response because they used to do this thing and now they're not doing it how can I seek out a professional to help me diagnose what's going on or do I just think my horse is having a really off day maybe there's a little bit more that they've been dealing with maybe there's been some construction or something going on around their field and or their friends moved or you've changed their diet or something like that that's contributing to these behaviors so it's just zooming out and looking at okay what might have contributed to this or could it have be could it had have even been me and how I was feeling if I was feeling a bit off that day or had two bigger expectations, maybe they were feeling that pressure and that just wasn't helpful. So yeah, it's just about when your horse says no, rather than forcing them to say yes, which isn't really a yes, it's just you're forcing them to do that. Um, Zoom out and look at why and then work on adjusting your approach from there. Um, And I think a lot of people, this is something that we're not traditionally taught. Like I was always taught, rally your horse, push them through it, make them do it. Um, in lots of different contexts because you need to make sure that your horse doesn't get one over you or they don't win or you you don't allow them to, you want to finish on a good note, all of these things. And the more I learned to kind of peel back the layers and go, okay, well, this was the moment when my horse started to get stressed. I'm going to finish today with them being really girthy because I'm not going to fix the girthiness today. Right. If I try and fix the girthiness today, I'm just basically telling them, shut up. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm forcing you to do this. You can't give me a voice, which is ultimately going to make them either completely shut down and not wanting to express how they feel or on the opposite side of the thing, they're going to get so loud because they're like, I need to do something bigger to make you listen to me. I'm not comfortable. 
Now, I want to say if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, like I'm feeling really bad because I've definitely probably pushed my horse (laughs) past these things. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. And I think we just need to have compassion for ourselves, knowing that it was never our intention to put our horses through that discomfort. And we're doing the best we can with the knowledge and tools that we have. Absolutely. So it's just now you've got some new awareness around it. You can go, okay, take a deep breath and just know that, okay, there's some different ways that you can approach these situations moving forward. And let's just say you divert into old patterns. That's okay too. We're all human. Horses are thankfully so ridiculously willing. Um, you'll be able to make, make it through and allow yourself to have this beautiful connection with your horse but it all comes back to yeah, listening to them and allowing them to say no just as much as you're allowing them to say yes. Um, so then your yes is actually a true yes. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's really important to be able to kind of tune into those feelings. And I think that it really helps the bond with your horse because oh. horses never lie. You know, they're always, they're always talking to us. And so I think that that's really cool. And yeah. like you said before, it wasn't ever something that I was taught at, you're the first person I've ever heard that from. And when I was listening to your podcast and I heard that, I was like, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I felt really bad after I yeah. had a lot of guilt. That's but- why I did the part two episode. <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay, okay. Yes, I am human. <laughs> And we can move on. And thankfully, horses are very forgiving. And so yeah. they're great Exactly. Like, and I think if anyone's like, oh, my horse is out to get me. If you look at how much horses are willing to put up with before they start to say no, like that's just not the case. Like right. horses, are, they're big animals. They've got all the capability in the world to really hurt us if they wanted to be out to get us. Yet they try so hard to just hold everything together. And I think as flight animals, they're designed to look okay, even if they're not okay on the inside, because it's survival instinct. Um, And especially if you've had a horse in maybe a training system where they haven't been allowed to say no in the past, and that's been conditioned out of them, then they're just going to learn to deal with it because that's just how they've been conditioned. Um, But like we said, thankfully, they're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, We don't have to like, have pity for our parcels or our horses and the training sessions they were in. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Um, let's let go of the guilt so that we can learn the lessons that we need from those situations where you felt guilty and go, okay, well, the guilt moving forward isn't going to serve me. Like it's not going to serve my horse or me to just feel crappy all the time. How can I shift this into lessons so that I can avoid this stuff from happening again? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, so what is one accomplishment and one failure that you've had in your life that's helped you get to where you are today? It's hard when you put it down to one, isn't it? I know it (laughs) is. It's hard to choose one. There's so many that make up our lives. So what I'm kind of peeling back is like, for most of my life, I had spent it not knowing who I was, second guessing myself, not knowing what my purpose was, always being jealous of other people that seemed like they had their stuff together and like wishing I was sort of over there. I would be in relationships where I'd be like, I don't know what I want to do. I'll just let, just follow whatever they're doing or I'll just do the bits and pieces. And I competed horses for such a long period of time because I was conditioned like this is what we do every weekend. We're going to the thing. 
Um, and then it got to the point where at the end of my showing um, stint, I was like, wow, I'm not happy. I'm really not happy. And I had a similar feeling um, working in these jobs with the uni degree I had. Basically, I did a degree because I thought that's what I should do. I really loved horses, but I was like, oh, no, um, you can't get a can't make money with horses. What if you get hurt? All of those sorts of things. And yeah, I just was continually doing things that didn't light me up because I felt like I should do them. And I really felt like the moment that I, I feel like this is an accomplishment and a failure at the same time, (laughs) depending on what angle you look at. But the moment I'm probably most proud of now that I look at it was when I was working in my second job out of university and I was really not enjoying it. I really clashed with my boss and I just had the realization where I was like, I'm not happy. I'm just working here to pay for my horses um, and just trying to work for my weekends or work for my time away from work. And I would much rather pick up horse poo in a paddock for the rest of my life than work here. So then I just wrote up my letter of resignation and just handed it to him. And thankfully he paid me out for my two weeks. Um, but part of me felt like a failure because I was, I'd committed to this trajectory of like, okay, I've got a significant university debt. I've got four years at university to now, what am I doing? I'm living at home with my parents. I didn't have a job to go to. I was trying to kind of start these random side businesses whilst just wanting to pay for my horses and just like in this real limbo at age I was probably 25 26 right so like the time period where it's like you should have your shit together right yeah. <laughs> even though side note most people don't most people don't <laughs> no yeah. um and yeah so I feel like that was a And you could look at that and feel like that was a failure, but it was also a huge accomplishment because that was the first time I actually chose me. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. No, I really like that. And I think that that's great that you shared that because I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who, who feel the same and it's important Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize where our happiness lies and yeah, you can, you can look at it as a failure in the moment and it feels like a failure in the moment. But then as you go on, I think we can look back and and think, wow, that was a huge accomplishment. So totally. And I think it's just like, it takes time to build that trust in yourself. And I'm still, and I think we're all always on a journey of trusting ourselves on a deeper and deeper layer. But once you start to get the recognition that things start to fall into place and you just follow what lights you up and you just look for these other opportunities rather than just settling for the shoulds or for things that don't light you up. Um, then you just opened up to a whole different world of opportunities. And yeah, it's just, you're feeling a certain way for a reason, just like our horses are feeling a certain way for a reason. And we just got to like take the time to zoom out and look at why and explore some options. Because I think a lot of people feel stuck in those situations because they don't know what the options are or the options feel really freaking scary. So it's just like, well, change is uncomfortable. I'm just going to sit here and do this thing. Whereas there's probably a lot more opportunities or options that are safe for you to consider. You've just got to uh, like expand your awareness. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. 
Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about your online programs for people who might be interested? What different kinds do you have? Um, and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit about them. Sure. So my signature program is called the Confident Equestrian Program, which I've got a few different ways to move through it. So I've got a self-study version, which I released recently, which I'm really excited about. Um, I've got a group version, which is amazing as well. And I've got a one-on-one version, um, but I only have a very limited amount of one-on-one capacity. But basically, in a nutshell, what the program is on all levels is you get access to a 12-week video horsemanship course, which teaches you exactly how to help your horse feel more confident in any environment. So I basically guide people through the theory behind understanding how horses learn, um, different groundwork exercises to connect with your horse and really lighten your cues and refine everything on the ground and just form a really beautiful relationship with your horse. And it's also established some really healthy boundaries with your horse. Um, then we talk, go through desensitizing on the ground and under saddle, which basically just means like slowly exposing your horse to different levels of environmental pressure, making sure that we're honoring their emotions um, and just really building up both of your confidence levels because you can really help your horse through any of the what ifs that you might be worried about or the things that your horse might be scared of at home in a controlled space. Um, and it's really freaking empowering. And then we move into navigating different environments. So just tying everything together so that you can have a plan to set yourself up for success um, and know what to do if your horse was to get worried or you were to get worried so that you can bring everything back together when you go exploring and you want to take your horse to these different places or you want to ride in different weather conditions, whatever you want to do. So that's basically a nutshell of how the horsemanship program works. And I've really done my best to make it as easy to follow as possible because I'm someone who's purchased many online um, uh, courses before and I've been someone in the past that would get very stuck Um, so I feel like I've done my absolute best to lay everything out in a way where horses don't get confused people don't get confused because it's very step-by-step and methodical and I really empower people with the principles they need to teach their horse how to do anything and to form this amazing relationship with their horse so that then you can apply those principles to any situation so that you can become an epic problem solver. Um, and I've seen this work countless times whilst I've operated or worked with over 100 people through my group program. And the only difference between the group and the self-study is you have a weekly uh, group coaching call with me and unlimited messaging support for three months. Um, so yeah, I've really kind of fine-tuned everything after lots and lots of feedback. Um, so yeah, that's my main signature program that I'm obsessed with. Um, and then I've got a mindset course, which uses emotional freedom techniques. So tapping, um, and basically I guide you through lots of different tapping sessions to help you let go of any, what ifs you have around your horse in a safe way. Um, and like allow yourself to tune into the joy you want to experience with your horses because so many people just have the, oh my God, I'm worried about ruining my horse or I'm worried about floating or trailering. Um, I want to go to a competition and ride at my best, all of these types of things that they want to do, but it's just like, well, how? That's what this course really dives into and really allows you to step into how you want to feel. And then my other offering at the moment is I've got a membership called Connected. So basically, if you want to connect with deep, connect on a deeper level with yourself, your horses or other people in this beautiful community, um, we meet once a week and do a half an hour-ish Zoom session. Sometimes I go longer um, <laughs> and just chat about a topic of interest for anyone that week. So 
we might do some tapping. Last week I spoke about human design. Um, we might talk on using food rewards with your horses, whatever's coming up for people or do a Q&A. Um, it's just going to flow week to week and you get access to all of the past recordings. And I've got a month free trial for that one too. Um, so yeah, I think they're my main, yeah, they're my main, yeah. my main offerings. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I just joined your CEP program and I'm so mm -hmm. excited. I'm through like the first module and I've yep. loved every minute of it. So anybody out there who's thinking about doing it, definitely I recommend for sure. It's, it's already amazing. So I'm so glad you're, you're feeling that way. And yes. um, if anyone even wants to just try the first module, I've got that available to jump into. Yeah. So if you just want the core principles and you're like, I feel pretty good with my groundwork or other things that you just want to refine things like do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it for sure. Okay. Then do you want to share your, um, like your social media, maybe your podcast website for that? Yeah, sure. So people know. So my, find you. I am at Felicity Davies with an underscore at the end on Instagram. I'm Felicity Davies horsemanship and mindset mentor on Facebook. Um, my website is confidentequestrianprogram.com and my podcast is equestrian perspective. And if you want to see, I've got like quite like 70 something episodes out at the moment, but if you're like, oh my God, where do I start? Or I want to find out about a specific topic. I've got a podcast guide on my website where I've segregated all of the episodes into different topics. So if you're like, oh, I really want to find the hat, like, what do I do when my horse says no episode? It'd be there. If I want to learn more about groundwork, it's there, desensitizing mindset, whatever. I've got a few more episodes to, to add in that I think will round everything off in terms of covering nearly every topic. <laughs> so they're all there. <laughs> no, that's great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll put all of that in the episode notes as well for people so that they can click on that. But um, otherwise, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to meet with me. I really appreciate it. And I think that everybody will really enjoy this. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm so happy that you're enjoying CEP and yes. I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. Yes, absolutely. Me too. I hope you feel just as inspired as I was after leaving this conversation. I'm so excited to be in Felicity's CEP program to learn more about what I can do to help my own horses as well as my client horses too. Tell us your favorite thing about this episode in a five-star review and once again, I'm your host, Morgan Stevens. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next Friday. Bye.